right, welcome to the Diamond Niner Fans Podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 1. I'm Nick, always here with Kevin. What's up, Niner Nation? Producer Brad. How's it going? All right, guys, we got we got a good one here for you today. Uh, we're going to jump right in. Uh, when we talked to you guys last, to say that a few things have changed since then would be, well, that'd be a little bit of an understatement. Um, as we ended the the 2019 season, uh, we were talking about looking forward to the 2020 season and the direction of the program and, and Coach Lauren Hibbs and how everything would play out. And things just didn't quite go that way, Kevin. Um, it, after leading the program since 1993, Coach Hibbs retired from, from being a full-time head coach and pursued some other opportunities, uh, which we're really happy for him and everything that he's doing out at, out at Wichita State. But uh, that left us in a little bit of, of a predicament, mainly being that we didn't have a head coach for our baseball program. So athletic director Mike Hill conducted a national search, and uh, by what by July 1st, we had uh, our fifth program, our fifth coach, head coach in program history in Robert Woodard. Now, we always do a preseason show for you guys to try to tell you what to expect. Uh, having a first head coach in, in 20-something years, in 26, 27 years, um, well, to be honest with you, we decided we needed a little more help to tell you exactly what's going to go down this year and what to expect for fans. So we decided to bring in some help today, Kevin. Why don't you, why don't you introduce our help? All right, I'm going to get right to it. Um, we're very excited and uh, a privilege to introduce to you the fifth baseball coach in Charlotte baseball history, uh, Coach Robert Woodard. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, this, this is going right to the source, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'd We want to so. know what's going to happen this year. We decided we'd just talk to Coach. Yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty simple, right? Yeah, that's the best way to do it, right? All right, Kevin. Once you give us, uh, once you get, once you run through the background on, uh, on Coach yeah, Wood, yeah. Before we get right into in before we get into it, let's go a uh, little resume reading here. Um, like I said, Coach Woodard is the fifth head coach at uh, Charlotte 49ers baseball history. Charlotte native, uh, played high school baseball at Myers Park here in Charlotte. Uh, went on to a uh, stellar four year career at UNC. Um, pitched in two College World Series. Uh, finished. His career in Chapel Hill, thirty-four and five as a pitcher, uh, perfect at home, twenty-two and zero, twenty-two and zero at home. That's pretty good, right? I'd say so. Okay. Um, uh, holds several ACC records. Uh, uh, most victories um, in the history of UNC. Like I said, pitched in two College World Series. Uh, both of those were at Rosenblatt Stadium, correct? Yep, old ballpark. Um, during his college career, he was drafted as a junior uh, in forty-eighth round by the. Cardinals uh, went back to school for a senior season, and following his senior season, was drafted in the twentieth round by the Padres. Following that, he spent three seasons in pro ball with the Padres organization, and retired in two thousand nine, stepping into coaching. Uh, started his coaching career at his alma mater, UNC, um, prior to the two thousand ten postseason. Then spent two full seasons as an assistant, where he returned to the College World Series for the first time as a coach. Um, after two full seasons at Chapel Hill. He uh, took a pitching coach job at UNC Wilmington, where he helped uh, the Seahawks reach the regionals in 2013. Then spent three seasons pitching coach at Virginia Tech, uh, leaving in the summer of 2016, returned to Chapel Hill as pitching coach. Um, coaches alma mater for three seasons. Uh, in the second stint there, advancing to the College World Series once again as a coach in 2018. Um, during his time at Chapel Hill, also worked with USA Baseball in um, a few different roles, including pitching coordinator and pitching coach. Um, did I leave anything out, Coach? 
No, I think you covered you covered most of it. Yeah, <laughs> I got to ask you a question about all that. Well, first of all, welcome, welcome, Coach. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Welcome to Charlotte. All that. We we promised you this would not be a new guy interview. So you're you're officially not a new guy anymore. Um, my question about all that is, uh, you know, I have a resume. Okay, it doesn't have anything like that on there, or I mean, or near. It's just my resume would fit on a much smaller piece of paper. When you have a resume like that, do you ever get tired of hearing it? Well, the whole time that you're reading that, all I'm thinking about is all the people that I've gotten to either play with or coach with along the way. And I mean it when I say that. I mean, you you can't get anywhere in this game without being around good people. And whether that is directly in the people you know that you coach with on a day-to-day basis or the players that you, you get to coach or as when I was a player, I got to play with. Um, but also, I mean... Every step along the way, I mean, I had friends of mine call for me and go to bat for me. You know what I mean? Telling, like, telling Mark Scaff at UNC Wilmington that they needed to hire this 26-year-old pitching coach with no recruiting experience. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when you read those types of things, it, it really starts to make me think of all the friends and, and the game that I have and how fortunate I've been to just be associated with them because it, it's, you know, that's, that's probably the biggest part of it all, really. It makes me think I need to go home and work on my resume. Um, but you've you've actually kind of led into where we wanted to start this with, with you. Um, you're talking about you had people um, make calls for you and go to bat for you and and, and, uh, and, and various things like that. Um, when when this job came open, how do you how do you remember finding out about it? How did you find out that this this job was available? Um, I, I think I just saw on social media that Coach Hibbs was going back to his alma mater at Wichita mm-hmm. State and um, that he, yeah, that he had, you know, retired from the position, and yeah, just I think I just heard through social media I was, I was gearing up for to start recruiting because um, our season had just I think our season had just ended in the super regional round against Auburn, so I was I was already on the road recruiting for you know upcoming UNC recruiting classes. So are you thinking it? I mean, when you see it, when you see that on, on you know on Twitter or whatnot, you know, are you thinking, oh? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, this is my hometown city. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it'd be hard not to be, um, you know, it was definitely mixed feelings because, you know, I was, I'm at my, I'm already at the pitching coach in my alma mater with my best friends coming off of, you know, three, you know, just really great, great years of my career that, um, with awesome players and just really loving where I'm at. I really wasn't really wasn't looking ahead at anything else and and honestly I I just kind of always thought that coach Hibbs would coach here for like 60 years <laughs> so like it just wasn't anything that was really on my radar right. I mean you know he's coach Hibbs was here since 1993 um, I was born in 1985 so since I was eight years old coach Hibbs was the leader of this program and so I certainly have known this program from, you know, up close as a middle school and a high school player and um, down the road as a college player and, you know, just from kind of afar as an assistant coach at different places. So, you know, you you certainly keep tabs on the program because, it's, again, it's my hometown city and um, this city means a great deal to me and my family. Um, but it's just really it, – it's it, it, I won't say it blindsided me in terms of – but – at the same time, like I said, I thought Coach Hibbs 
it was just you know it would be that Wayne Graham type coach till you're 90 years old here and because I just hadn't known any different so well, I, I think yeah. it's fair to say coach I mean if, if you didn't from a distance you didn't see it coming I mean Kevin I did you see this coming I didn't either I mean yeah. that wasn't it wasn't really you know that that particular move wasn't on our radar screen at the time not really right. yeah and I and I just I had, I have a natural tendency to kind of get tunnel vision on whatever it is I'm doing anyways so you know the last three years I've been tunnel vision on trying to be the best pitching coach at UNC I could be and, you know, be fully committed to that. And um, Scott Jackson, one of my best mentors along the way, he's the head coach at Liberty, previous recruiting coordinator at UNC. He told me my first year coaching, he told me when I was 25 years old, he said, Woody, if you're, if you ever get to a job and you're thinking about your next job, you're not doing as good of a job where you are as you should be. Mm -hmm. And that always stuck with, stuck with me so I've, I've, advice. I've tried to I've tried to stay dialed in on that every step of the way so yeah I mean when in June or whenever the whenever the news broke yeah I was um just kind of came out of nowhere and then we went from there so we, we've all applied for a job right and 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 sent a resume in right and regardless of how long that resume is we've sent a resume in and waited to hear so talk about how, how talk about the process a little bit how you got you became involved and and how that went down and how you you eventually you know you're you're interviewing for the job how does that how'd that play out yeah i mean um i remember hearing from from mike hill i, I received a, a message from him to try to schedule a phone call and and i was actually driving down to clemson to go recruit um a high school event for the weekend sometime in early June and a little ironic being that that's where Mike's from growing up, you know, but, uh, so I pulled over all the side of the road on a, at a Panera and had all like had all my kind of notes and stuff in front of me on what I had kind of studied on the, the program and its history and the You did roster. your phone interview at a, at a Panera. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of coffee there too. Um, <laughs> So it, uh, yeah, it was, we, we talked, I think, I think Mike was out in Seattle with his son and at a, at something and, um, and we talked for probably 45 minutes to an hour, just kind of general conversation and that sort of thing. And, um, from there he, he had asked me to come to campus the following week and, um, go through the on-campus interview process. And I knew there would be some other candidates and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, just for me, it was, um, you know, being my hometown city and where I grew up. And I was still, I honestly, I was still trying to wrap my head around it because it just, it really hadn't been anything that had been on my radar. So. Okay. So, uh, you know, you're always seeing people at Panera, you know, doing stuff. And I'm always like, you know, what's everybody doing in there? Like, like <laughs> now, now we know, right? They're interviewing for head coaching jobs. Yeah. <laughs> They're interviewing for baseball jobs. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So uh, when, when you came to campus, for for that on campus interview, uh, it, how long it had been since you had had really? I know you had been on campus before because I, I think you said you'd been to some games here. But how long you know how long had it been since you come to campus? Um, I had recruited the state games event probably three or four years prior, so it, it had been it had been a couple of years, um, and before that it had been a year or two, and before that it had been a year or two. So I was kind of coming to campus every year or two for a few years, and one thing that that always stuck out to me. I mean, especially since the stadium renovation in 2008 to, to get it to where it, you know, it is now outside, aside from the indoor facility. Um, it was just every time I came here, there were new buildings and, you know, new, new stadiums and new this. And it was just, I mean, 
and we and honestly coaches coaches around the state always talked about it i mean every every time i mean because coaches are coming in from all over the region for the state games event in june with the best north carolina high school players in the state and we'd all be sitting in the stands talking watching and just talking about like wow i can't believe i can't believe this place now and then another year or two would go by i'd come back and sit in the stands with other coaches and be like hi like can you believe this place is continuing to grow like it is and you know it's just that's that that was that's been charlotte's reputation for the last I don't know, 10, 15 years. It's just, just the continuous growth. And, and, um, so it's, that's, yeah, that's kind of been my experience with it. And people really aren't prepared for what they see out here when, when they, when they haven't been here or haven't been here in a while. I mean, it just, the, the it, it's growing so fast. And, and people, I, I think when, when we talk to people, even in the city, you know, that, that just have not been out to campus, haven't come to a game, whether it's, you know, no matter what sport. And when they see this campus, like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I think the I think the secret's out now, though. Like, not that it ever was a secret, and I don't I don't even want to ever use the word like term hidden gem or anything like that. Because, yeah, well, that that got uh, yeah. But you know, because it's really I mean, it's not, but it's like it is. I mean, everything here is first class. Everything everything here is first class and well laid out, and and it's only getting better. You know, I mean, everything it's only getting better. I mean, just with the energy and. Uh, um, from you know our leaders and Mike Hill and Chris Fuller and Darren Spees and and Reagan Hill and everyone up top, all the way down through you know the football staff with Coach Healy and the basketball staff with Coach Sanchez and softball staff with Coach Chastain and just all throughout athletics. It's just the the energy and the vibe here. It's it's the secrets out. So when you get the phone call and you're offered the job and, and you 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 realize that this is this is going your way, is that that a surreal moment? Very surreal. Yeah, I was in the coach's locker room at UNC in the stadium, and um, it was it was a little bittersweet from the Sam. It was very bittersweet because I couldn't have been more excited and I couldn't have been more honored for that phone call because I knew that there were some phenomenal candidates that were in the mix for this job from you know just from some other really great places, and um, but I also was was excited from the standpoint that it it meant that I was getting to come back to my hometown city and I have so many friends and family here that I always in my mind I thought that I was either going to you know be coaching at UNC for a long time and have a two and a half hour drive to come home for Thanksgiving or Christmas and that's you know for the rest of my life um or I mean who knows you know who knows where you go in this coach in the coaching world so um I always wanted to be a head coach I never anticipated it would be here in Charlotte I always thought it would be somewhere else so to get that phone call from from Mike Hill and and you know be given this opportunity to to come here it was you know it, I was ecstatic but you know with that I was in the coach's locker room with it was empty at the time but you know my three best friends that I coached with that meant I had to leave and so it was it, it was really it was difficult because you know you you you're never you're never ready to say goodbye to those the, those those kind of friends. Right. Um, and in in coaching, you know whether you're on a sideline or you're on a bench or you're in a dugout. I mean you you go through everything with those people. I mean everything everything from the biggest wins to the worst losses to family issues and personal stuff and highs and lows there. You know, and and I mean, I'd been there for three years, but I'd also been the volunteer with those guys for two, and I'd played with them for four. So I mean, I had about nine years of 
you know, and then before that, I was coming to baseball camp there as a high school and middle school kid, you know. So Coach Fox and Forbes and I, I mean, we go back to 1999 knowing each other. So wow. 20 years of knowing each other, um, you know, and I that that phone call, although it was it was something that I was couldn't have been more ecstatic about. Um, you know, it also came with having to tell some of my best friends and mentors that I was moving on. And then after, you know, there's that bittersweet you're dealing with your emotions. And then after all of that, then you realize you have to move. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have some experience there. And so, um, and I don't, I don't have a family or little ones yet. So I, I'm, you're not going to hear me complain too much on that end because there's, there's people out there that have two, three, four little ones and that sort of thing. So I had a, I had a, I had a, that, that whole, that whole side of it, I'm, I'm probably more used to than most. Kind of part of the deal too, right? I mean, with yeah, it's what you sign. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't like to move and 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 or change or anything like that, like don't get into coaching and don't get into baseball or any type of, you know, this industry for sure. Right, uh, coach. Right after you were hired, uh, we exchanged some messages with you, um, and you mentioned to us that you were working on recruiting your top priority. Um, and you end up recruiting an All-American for your first recruit as a head coach here at Charlotte. Can you um, go ahead and talk about your staff a little bit, going in the process of hiring a staff and um, getting them here to campus? Yeah, well, B-Rob, B-Rob, like you said, he was he was the number one priority, and he and I have known each other since, gosh, probably 1999 or, or so, 2000, when he was a minor leaguer with the Seattle Mariners and I was – a junior or senior in high school and he come back and work out it on deck and you know we have that mike schilt bond through on deck so we've known each other for a long time and and over the course of you know he when he got back into coaching we were having conversations about you know what you know what goes into it and that sort of thing and then you know i was at wilmington and he was here at charlotte and then i was at tech and then he was you know he was here and then i went to unc so we've we've been in the same like recruiting circles and around each other at games and stuff so um, we've we've certainly stayed in touch. So when I when I went through the interview process and and you know I I mean he's a friend, so I just kept him in the loop. And I said I said what I said whatever shakes out. I I said you know I just want you to know that I want I want I want us to coach together if the, if if the opportunity presents itself. And so and I I kept him in the loop every step of the way with what was happening on my end, just because he's such a good friend and and love his family and he's an unbelievable coach and so um you know yeah as soon as as soon as I got the phone call then we were in touch and and we started having conversations about staying together and working together we're glad we're glad to see Bo Rob here he's a great he's a great 49er you won't find a better 49er and um Mm. I was thinking about this he's probably you won't find anybody that's put the uniform on more than Bo Robinson um there's no question. I mean, he's he's a legend of the program. Right. Numbers on the wall right down there. Speaking of locations, we, we haven't talked about where we are right now. <laughs> oh yeah, well, we're we're not we're not in our normal location, <laughs> which is my house. <laughs> which by the way, I, we have moved since last season, so we have a whole new setup. So I was So you can speak that, to well, it. Well, that's why the moving was on my mind cuz yeah. we just did it and and you know, it sucks. So, but no, where where are we at anyway? We're in the uh, well, in Coach Woodard's office in the Joe Lopez Legacy Suite um, at the Hayes. <laughs> yeah, we're we're actually on location here with a view out to the field, so uh, that doesn't suck. No, it never gets old. 
It's, no, this is this is great. If there's a better office on campus, and I, sh- I and just to clarify, I don't. Ha- it's not to myself. Coach Stott and I share this office together, <laughs> and Coach Simmons is right behind me. So we're all in here together. And if but if, so, if you could find a better view on this campus, I would love to see it. Yeah. So uh, talk about that a little about um, changing the office location a little bit, if you want. Yeah. No. I mean, it's just I think when you're coming from another place, I think you have a f- somewhat of a f- different perspective on. You know the uh, the canvas, I guess, is what you could call, the way you could look at it. And and for us, like, you know, you look at you look at this facility that's been built here and the usage, and try to say, okay, like, how can we optimize the you know the facility and what we have versus looking at maybe things that we don't have or things we need. So um, I think it's really important to look at things with the perspective of what do we have, what do we already have, and how can we maximize what we already have versus the other. So yeah, I mean, when we got up here, we had we moved into the the previous offices in Wells Fargo Fieldhouse across the street with the you know the team in the locker room there, and we were kind of walking over every day, and and it was fine, you know. I mean, I I can work anywhere, honestly. You just you know, if there's a baseball field, I'm good. So, um, you know, but we can't. We had we came up to the Lopez Legacy Suite one day for like a team meeting with uh, Coach Patrick's wife Kaylee, for, who's a nutritionist, and. We had a meeting up here, and and just the whole time, I just kept looking out the window and <laughs> thinking to myself, "This view is unbelievable." And so that we broke with the team, and we sat up here, uh, myself, B. Rob, Toby, and um, and Coach Simmons, Tyler, and uh, we just had a, we we probably sat up here for an hour and a half, and we started breaking down about you know, why we need to be up here on a daily basis, and you know who would go where, and how we would work it, and. You know, when the season got here, how we could, you know, modify for any TV or radio guys that come up in, up here. Um, because, as you know, you guys know, in college baseball, I mean, it's why most college baseball programs don't have a visitor's locker room. It's because, I mean, the, there's 35 home games, 30 to 35 home games. And most of the teams, they get dressed at their hotels and they come over. And the same thing, I mean, so, I mean, that the visiting radio booths probably, if they have a visiting radio guy, it's probably only getting used 20 to 25 days a year. So, not like where, where is that? Is that FAU or FIU where Sean sits in the stands <laughs> and <laughs> dodges foul balls? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. calls the game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we just, you know, we, we, we're here every day, you know, I mean, that goes without saying. And so for us to have this space to, to have kind of a think tank environment with, to open flow of communication, um, you know, easy, easy access for, you know, just whatever we need to do on a daily basis. And then, but, you know, then also when we close, you know, we're, we meet with recruits and families, Again, like I said, there's not going to be a better view on campus and our fields right here. And, you know, I think people really, when they're up here, they, they, they not only see the vision of, of, of where this pro we want this program to go, but they, I think people can feel it up here. And that to me is very, very important when it comes to sitting down with the recruit and his family. And you're, you're, you're telling them that the road to Omaha can come through Charlotte. And, you know, that's one thing to say it, especially in somewhere where, you know, we haven't we haven't done it yet, but once they feel they feel that that is the case, then you, you know you can you can start to attract some pretty special people to come be a part of the program. 
And th- this is the table right here, right? This is this is the recruit We're, table. This is it. Yeah, when actually the seat I'm in with this view toward facing the window, that's this is the one where we have the guy the recruits sit in. So the whole time they're kind of spacing out, listening to you know myself and the parents talk or whoever they they can have, they can have a view of the field, and so it, it doesn't get much better than this. And you mentioned Omaha. There's a there's a dugout chair from from Omaha sitting right there too. So yeah, they, yeah, we get to keep those as a souvenir, and so I've been like I've been fortunate enough to grab two of those as a player and two as a coach. So we've got one up here. Just more the more College World Series memorabilia I think we can have around the program, the better. And more reminders of where you want to go, the better. Try it. You can you can visualize it the scene, stadium, and the. Omaha right in the background, so um, yeah, I think you've got Kevin, Coach. He's ready. To, he looks ready right. to sign. He's yeah. like, he's like, I'm, hey, I'm keeping my pen away. If anybody from wants here. to sign me, I'll, I'll, I'll gladly sign. Let's go. Let's go. You got some eligibility left, right? I don't know about my spin rate, but <laughs> um, yeah. Let's let's just let's, keep going. We we got we got for good reason. We got a little off track there talking staff, but let's let's if, uh, back to the staff. Uh, Bo Rob. Uh, He's promoted to associate head coach, and uh, if you want to go through and talk about a little bit more about hiring a staff and that process, and um, where you were back in July. Sure. Yeah. No. I mean, it was that's priority one. You you've got the, you've got to really emphasize and what you're trying to do with the coaching staff because I mean the, that is the blood, sweat, and tears of the program. I mean, it, it is it's everything. So. Um, once B Rob was on board and when and we we locked arms to you know to do it together, um, we had to you know figure out the rest of the staff kind of like you said. And Tyler Simmons was already here, mm-hmm. and um, honestly, I had no I, I had no idea what I was going to do you know with the rest of the coaching staff. I wanted to try to keep an open mind and get to know get to know people. And I, I mean, I had a general idea of some things. Um, but I'll tell you this: my first my first phone call to Tyler Simmons, I didn't know I didn't know what we were going to do because he had been the volunteer assistant for three years, and I've just had nothing but respect for him um, from afar because I've seen I've seen him work camps and I've seen him, you know, on the road um, when he's when he's he, uh, when Lauren retired, you know, he went out on the road and recruited a little bit, and I just you could just you could see how hard of a worker he was even when not being around him too much. Um, but then I think I, ca- I called him on Saturday night, the day I got hired. It was about 9.45 at night. And um, I called him and he picked up and I said, hey, Tyler, this is this is Robert Woodard. I'm just, I want to reach out to you and just say hello and, and try to schedule a time to meet with you. And I said, what, you know, what are you up to? And like I said, it's a Saturday night at 9.45 and he goes, oh, well, I'm at the field. I said, which field? And he's like, he's like, you know, our stadium. And I said, really? I said, what's going on? He's like, well, we got team camp. I said, okay. And then we started talking about that and this and that. And then, you know, we had a really good conversation. And I hung up the phone about 10 o'clock, 15 minutes later. And I said to myself, I said, all right, so here's a, here's a young coach who there's no guarantee that, you know, he's going to be here a week from now. And it's 945 at night and he's at the field making sure that this team camp runs smoothly because it's the right thing to do. I was like, I got to meet with this guy mm-hmm. like instantly. And I think I've told Tyler this and, and, you know, I, again, we'd probably be sitting in the same situation had he not been there, but I can tell you the fact that he was here at nine forty five when he didn't have to be. And nobody knew, he didn't know I was going to call him. No. The fact that he was there, like, I mean, that was, he, he was pretty much hired 
when I got off the phone. So we had a cup of coffee on Monday and, um, after meeting with him, it just became really clear that, um, he has such a growth mindset and, and that he needs to be in a position to spearhead, you know, the develop the player development side of our program and coach the coaches, um, in terms of, um, so we had a full-time position here, uh, as a, um, director of ops, Mm -hmm. that was the title, but I could, I'm able to, you know, retitle it, whatever I want to call it. So, um, we, we wanted Tyler to, you know, to spearhead, like I said, the, the player development side of us and, um, you know, with that comes educate, you know, being the best of most knowledgeable of, you know, data and technology and that sort of thing and, and modern training methods. And again, not, not only kind of helping our, you know, bring these things to our players, but also, like I said, like the whole time that, you know, our coaches are out recruiting or I'm working on a practice plan, you know, he's educating me on the latest, you know, training methods for us to implement here and make our players as good as we can make them. What's so great about that uh, with, with Tyler is that, you know, there's there's many different ways to kind of say this, but, you know, we, we are who we are when nobody's looking, right? That's that's integrity, that's character mm-hmm. uh, when no one's looking. And, and no one was looking, you know, as far as what Tyler was doing, and, and you just happened to – you just happen to end up looking. There are a lot of I can yeah. There's a lot of people out there that they they wouldn't have been there that night. You know they I I, I truly believe that I think like you said Tyler's character is off the charts and his work ethic is off the charts and so I mean now knowing him like I know I'm like yeah of course he's here but it's just it's not always the case and so it's a it's a credit to him and and I mean gosh just everything he's bringing to our program on a daily basis I can't even. You know, with with you know, the progress that we we feel like we've made, and the progress that we want to make in that in the field of player development. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't even know where we would be without him. Honestly, it's awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll get in on the, the player development stuff. In a yeah, little bit. we're we're coming back to that. <laughs> we're staying, we'll stay, stay on if we're staying on staff. I mean, you know, it's um, we've got to we've got to move next to to Toby Bicknell. Um, so Toby, Toby and I go back to. 2002, 2003, he was about a 23 or 24 year old young assistant coach, fresh out of Wingate, playing baseball at Wingate. And he comes over to Myers Park my senior year of high school, and we've got a pretty good team. And he's this fireball of energy. I mean, if you think he, if you think he's, you know, a ball of energy, like right now, you should have, you should have seen him. You should have seen him in 2003. I mean, I loved playing for him. Just, just such an awesome guy. Like you're not going to find a more Charlotte guy than Toby Bicknell either. I mean, the guy, he's he's probably got the skyline tattooed on himself somewhere. I mean, he just loves it here. And so, are we going to have to try to confirm that? Man, he might. Uh, yeah, might. He, but I mean, so. So Toby and I had known each other since then, and um, you know he went on to go coach at UNC Pembroke, and then Clemson, and then Davidson, and then the Air Force Academy in Kentucky. So, I mean, golly, he's got he's got so much, so many miles of experience, and so many different perspectives, coaching styles, practice plans that he's been a part of. I mean, it's just the biggest no brainer ever to try and you know, bring him here back home to Charlotte and 
and work with them on top of being a really good friend. And then, oh, by the way, he's probably the best recruiting guy I've ever been around. And he was down in Texas, right? Or, or working yep. working on recruiting stuff in Texas. Yep. So after he after um, after um, his he was a coach at Kentucky, he he was called in to start up from scratch. Uh, Prep Baseball Report, Texas. They had never had it there before. And Texas is a pretty small state, as you guys know. So <laughs> yeah. it was a really, really easy task. They don't play much baseball there either. Yeah, not many good baseball players there either. So, um, they, I mean, Prep Baseball Report is a, you know, it's a scouting service and this and that. But they, they viewed him as the guy that could take on the state of Texas from the ground up and, you know, build it. So that's what that's what his reputation is in terms of a worker and a networker and a hustler. Um, so he did that for three years in the state of Texas and got PBR Texas off of the ground and just, you know, continued to really stay dialed in on the college game, but also evaluating high school players. Um, like you said, all throughout the state of Texas, which is certainly talent, talent rich. Um, so just, you know, again, it's just only added to his experience right i mean it's he's been quote out of coaching for three years but i mean he's been around more high school talented players and he's been talking to college coaches because that's what we do like right. we call you know we call you know pbr state directors and ask them you know who are the guys we need to be on and who are the guys we need to be seeing well college coaches have been calling toby for the last three years so you know, he's staying in the loop with, you know, who's, what schools are calling what caliber of players and that sort of thing. So he knows what it looks like when he's at a game. He's like, well, you know, this this school, these are the types of schools that would be recruiting this kid typically, and that sort of thing. And I think that's kind of the lens he looks at it through. But aside from that, beyond the evaluation of, of the skill set, I mean, Toby's probably the best uh, recruiter on the, on the phone I've ever been around. I mean, the stuff he – his conversations with the kids go way below the surface and getting to know them and their families and what they're about and what their interests are and um, what their makeup's like and all these types of things. So, um, and again, and that's, that's not easy to do because right. Like, I mean, we've, we've been at the field already today for, you know, eight or nine hours just getting off the field. Well, Toby's probably got five to eight recruiting calls tonight and he's going to be on the phone with, you know, for, 15 to 45 minutes with each kid and those are the things that you don't see you know those are i I mean i don't see i don't even see him you know what i mean like he's on the phone he'll be on the phone for two hours tonight and and we'll come in the next day and you know it's it's just it's the stuff that you you don't even see that's going on that are so important to to taking a program to that next level and you know he's when his feet hit the ground in the morning he is eating and breathing and sleeping recruiting and getting the best of the best players no matter where they're from or what their background is or anything like that to, to get them to come to Charlotte. And so, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's pretty, I couldn't write a better script, honestly, than to get to, to coach with these guys. I mean, it is, it really, it really is a dream come true. Getting, I mean, if you said your first, my first head coaching job, I'd get to coach with Bo Robinson, to- Toby Bicknell, and Tyler Simmons, and then oh by the way, a kid that I loved coaching and being around when I was at UNC and John Stott, I'd be like, you're kidding me. Like I've got the best job on the planet. 
Um, so, you know, and, and then getting into getting into John, I mean, he's just we call it, he's our glue guy. You know, we, we he's the salt of the earth. He's he's never had a, if he's ever had a bad day. I haven't seen him. I mean, he, he is the <laughs> same steady guy every day. And our, our guys love being around him. Um, he's incredibly knowledgeable, um, but he's knowledgeable in the way that he's he's not going he's not the type of person that's going to try to show you how much he knows but when he speaks he's usually right and and that's a great that's a great trait especially for a you know for a younger a younger coach i mean usually young coaches are they're going to try to show you how much they know and this and that and 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 stott's not like that stott is all stott is a great listener and when he speaks he makes it count and he's got unbelievable feel for the guys on the team and and our staff. I mean, you know, just just all the dynamics. And so, I mean, he's he is our glue guy. And um, he's coming off of two years of scouting for the Cleveland Indians, which is you ask anybody in baseball, they've got some of the you know the brightest minds in player development and scouting in that organization. So he's got two years of writing reports and evaluating and listening and observing, you know, one of the leading major league organizations in baseball and in those fields. So when we're trying to, you know, we're working on our recruiting process or our player development process or whatever it may be, you know, he's, he's been around some of the best of the best and um, for the last two years. So it's incredibly valuable to have him on staff. And, and like I said, it's just nothing but positive energy from him. And that's what you need. I mean, I mean, everybody sees the the 55 or however many games you play in the course of a season. But, you know, there's 300 days a year where you're not playing a game. And those days, those days need to be positive and upbeat and productive. And, you know, you've got to you've got to enjoy the people you're around. And and so, you know, he's you know, he 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 only he not only brings that with his energy, but he spreads it. So with your staff, you've got um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but you've got three uh, three members of the staff that have at one time been a lead recruiter, including yourself, mm-hmm. right? And then you just mentioned uh, Stott has has got um, has been uh, working for the Indians and he's doing scouting. Is that is that the hardest part? I'm just curious. Is that is that the hardest part of the job? Is looking at baseball players. You know, I can. We watch a lot of baseball, and and I can look at a player and decide what they are. You guys have to look at baseball players and decide what they aren't and what they could be. Is that how hard is that? It, it's extremely difficult. Yeah, I mean, it's extremely difficult, um, especially with you know all the rules that are in place and how early some of the recruiting goes. Right? Like, I mean, it's. We've got kids that are making decisions at 13, 14, 15 years old. And, you know, it's it. That's insane, right? I mean, I I was I was I wasn't I was barely a pitcher my freshman year of high school. You know what I mean? Like like if if you evaluated me as a freshman in high school, you would say, oh, that's not a very good shortstop. And you would stop recruiting me and go watch somebody else, you know. But thankfully, the recruiting process was later and people kept watching me as a pitcher um, and that sort of thing. But, yeah, I mean, it's just. It's you never know. You never know where a kid is on his like, like data point or his his trajectory. Like right. Like I mean that the best player in the Little League World Series. Like he's probably not even going to play college baseball potentially. Um, right. And we've all. I mean, 
it just and then you know the kid that the kid that's probably the seven eight nine whole team on the college or the little league world series team like that kid's probably going to be a freshman all-american at the college level you just never know and um so you just try to you try to like you said, I mean, surround yourself with as much experience as possible. Like we've all made mistakes, you know, we've all made mistakes in the recruiting process, whether it's taking shortcuts to, you know, because there was pressure on a player to make it, he was, that was making a decision. And so you, 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 you know, there, you kind of skip some points of the process or um, whatever it may be, you know, no, no, nobody in our business has been perfect at, at the recruiting process and that sort of thing. So what we do have is we've got, you know, four five, we've got five guys that have experience of, you know, of doing it and we can, we can, we know what's helped us be successful and we know some things that we, we wouldn't do over again. And there's a lot of value in that, I think. So just like you said, it's, I don't know how many years of it we have combined on our staff, but there's a good amount of it. And we also have that perspective that, you know, we, we want to get better. So like we're not set in our ways. So like if we like this past fall, we did things a certain way, but we already have an idea of next fall, how we want to improve a lot of things that we did this past fall. Like we're not going to do things the same, the same way. We're just going to, we're going to constantly try to refine and improve our craft and what we're doing here. You mentioned the fall and you mentioned recruiting. Um, go, go through with us, the, with us the first fall. When you come to campus, you had to recruit the current players to fill out the roster on uh, for the 49ers can you go through that fall the first fall and we first came to campus yeah i mean if we're in in terms of are we you you want to talk about are we talking about our team or are we talking about recruit like re- recruiting this no i read like, well I, I think in and to your to much to your staff's credit to you guys credit you know so many times when you see a coaching change you know it's like wholesale Players are out of here, and then it's it's a complete rebuild. We're kind of used to that, I guess. In the in the basketball terminology, is is you right. know when coaching changes happen. But you guys kept the you guys kept the core of this team intact, and and that's that's to your credit. Well, we think we think it needed to be. I mean, these kids didn't do anything wrong. You know what I mean? These are these are, you know, they've, you know, you know, Coach Hibbs decided that he was going to go back to his alma mater and and right. have a dream job in administration. You know what I mean? Like that's that's not their fault. Um, so they're unbelievable kids and they, they've been that way from day one. I mean, I, I called each of them my first day on the job and just, I mean, since that first phone conversation, uh, you know, with Todd Elwood and Matt Brooks and Jacob Whitley and Tate Pennington and all these guys, it's, it's from day one, they've, they've been welcoming to me. So I've, I've, you know, I've, I've tried to return return it to them um so um yeah i mean it's it's a great group of kids it really is and you never you never know when you go to a new place kind of you know there's there's some 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 things that can improve and there's some things that are already doing great and you don't need to mess around with and we got great kids and i mean i'll 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 remember this team for the rest of my life i can i can tell you that before the season starts you know how you know you know when win 60 games, win whatever, like win 20 games, what and or anything in between. Like this this is going to be a, a group of guys that I will hopefully and and work and will work to stay connected with for the rest of my life because since since coming here in July, they have been nothing but bought in and wide-eyed and open-eared and 
just a bunch of hustlers and gamers since we got here. Okay. Well, um, a couple of things have, have happened since, uh, since you came on board, Coach. Uh, Kevin and I, we go to uh, a lot of different types of, of 49er events, uh, football games in the fall, and some basketball games and stuff like that. And pretty much when, when, when they see us coming, it's like, oh, it's the baseball guys, right? And so, you know, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's like, oh, we need to, if you want to talk baseball, you go, you go over there and talk to this, which we love, by the way. And we were always ready to talk baseball. But obviously the, the number one question – uh, has been, you know, in this offseason, it's like, well, you know, with the with the new staff coming in and, and, and they hear things and, and they hear words like, and say, analytics, right? They hear these things. They, so what what can we see different? What, what's going to be different about the program? What are we going to notice? How are we going to – our style of play, is it going to change? So we, we get lots of questions about that, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, when you came on board, uh, there were um, a lot of things like we, we actually went and got a hold of some of the books that, <laughs> that, that you, you mentioned, like yeah. the Brian Kenny's book and, and Big Data Baseball and we, the MVP machine more recently. And you start really digging into this, this sort of different way of – of playing baseball. I mean, and I'll be honest with you in, in my, my experience, I think Kevin, you're, you're on board with this too. Our, our experience with baseball up until about this summer. And after we heard, after we found out who Robert Woodard was <laughs> and started you know, digging into this whole thing, I, it was fairly old school as far as baseball goes. Um, but I got to tell you, as soon as we started, and, and we spent all summer, you know, we're following our guys in the in the minors. But once you start reading about things like the shift and things like what, well, once you see it, and once you start paying, you can't unsee it. There's, yeah, you don't ever want to go back. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> it, it changes the way you watch baseball, and I think that's what our fans are in for. Yeah, is they're gonna they're gonna see literally see a different type of baseball. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, I, again, I I didn't. I didn't have a chance to play the Charlotte teams when I was at UNC, uh, except for one game at Uptown, I think two years ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the spacing of the fielders, you're probably, yeah, there'll probably be a difference. Um, you know, and it just, again, it's, it's, it's philosophical really, whether, whether, whether we have data or don't have data, I've, I've, you know, in our staff, we've, we've looked at it enough. We've studied hitters enough to understand that, when a hitter steps in the box, they have a natural tendency to hit the ball more often than not in certain places on the field. So, again, whether you have the exact data or not, you know, obviously if you do, great, and we will use it. But philosophically, you know, hitters just tend to hit hit balls in certain areas of the field more so than others. Um, and when you look at it enough, you 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 see it. And once you see it, like you said, you can't unsee it. As opposed to, uh, you know, anybody could say, you know, uh, if we were going out there right now, you know, hey, Nick, go out to short. And you know where I would go. I would like, go to where shortstop's always been, right? Yep. But that's that's not what – that's not necessarily the way we should be looking at it. Well, if you're – you know, if you're running out to shortstop and you're going to a traditional spot, then you, you're really good at the Derek Jeter backhand in the six hole, then, yes, you should play there because you're going <laughs> to – you're going to make a lot of Derek Jeter backhands. or And I would not be, by the way. We'll just go ahead and put that So up. if you're not good at the Derek Jeter backhand, you should just move like three or four steps to your right, and then those backhands will all be right at you, and it'll be an easier play. I, you know what? The way, you, the way he explained <laughs> I, I, it, I think I could do it. I think he just compared <laughs> you to Derek Jeter. <laughs> uh, that's, yes, we're going with that. That's, right. that's as should, close as we'll should, get, right? You should take that and move on. 
<laughs> yeah, I uh, think we will. <laughs> speaking, speaking of all the data, um, uh, we did notice there was some new staff positions, um, new co-director of baseball analytics. Uh, we have um, Dr. Benny Rodriguez and Justin Cornelius um, listed on our roster as yep. – uh, yeah, Doc B is here every day, and Justin's here as often as he can get here. And you know, they're just um, they are, they bring a skill set that none of us are going to be able to do at their level, and that's understanding how whatever piece of technology we have. Which for our hitters, we have blast motion sensors on the knobs of the bats, which measure measure everything pre contact with the bat, and then we have Rapsodo in the cages, which is on which measures everything post-contact. So basically the ball flight and spin and trajectory. And so, I mean, I'm just using that as an example. I mean, we have some other, some other things, but for those two things, I mean, we are getting thousands and thousands and thousands of data points, you know, every day. And in this, in the world that we're in with, you know, myself, you know, being the head coach and the pitching coach, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of responsibilities that I have to I have to do before I can sink my teeth into that data, and with Toby's responsibility in recruiting, you know, when he leaves the field, you know, recruiting's got to be a big priority for him. And the same thing with with B Rob, you know, working with our hitters and and our infielders, and then you know he's recruiting when he's not at the field and that sort of thing. So we all have all these priorities of these, you know, these things that we really have to do, and you know we can't get around. So we need help. And um, Doc Benavidez is is a professor of the of School of Engineering here. Um, he's been studying um, the baseball technology side of thing for a few years now, and he's passionate about it. Um, and so, for me, it's just a no brainer to bring um, a really talented individual here on, that's already on our campus and who loves the game and wants to help us to come in here and you know he wants to invest the time in taking all that information and putting it into um, you know, visuals or spreadsheets for our coaching staff or our players to use, or maybe he's just, um, he doesn't really say a whole lot when he's, I mean, he's out here every day and you'll see him when you come to the haze, but I mean, our, our players will usually have with an iPad in his hand. Yeah. He's always got something. He's always got something and he's, he's processing it all. And our guys can start to have conversations like he can, you know, he can tell them, you know, when we're, I mean, he'll be in there with a bullpen with me and I might be, you know, giving some kind of an external cue for our pitcher to try to locate a pitch better, and then a pitcher will throw a pitch, and then you know he might want to know if his spin efficiency is in the range it's supposed to be in for that pitch type, and you know Doc B can can clarify it for him. You know, so on the number side of things, so I mean that's just kind of how it works for me um, and our staff. We, we're just I'm I've always been big on collaboration. Um, I've always been big on trying to surround people i'm i'm really not that much of a like math is not a strength of mine it really isn't and so i've always known that about myself i I think i have some feel for for some numbers and that sort of thing but um you know algorithms and and those types of things that's not my deal i don't know how to code um you know or or anything (laughs) like that so i might get the derek the the jerk i can't talk today the derek jeter backhand down before i did got any of that algorithms math any of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and some people have a natural, you know, tendency and feel for those things, and I really don't. So I try to – when when that stuff is needed or called upon, I try to surround myself with people that are much more versed in that than myself or our staff. And Doc B does – and, you know, he is. So Benny's been tweeting about this stuff for, for the, forever. He's got the Batcave. 
Yeah, he's, he's got, he had, a, I think, well, he had, I guess he's backed that down, but he had a Twitter account, uh, Batcave. Whoa, whoa, I can't remember what the handle was. It was about the Batcave, but he was doing it at Batcave. home yeah. and, and was tweeting about all this stuff that he's doing for y'all now. Yeah. But we were just kind of like, oh, that's interesting, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was over. It was obviously over our heads. Yep. <laughs> so we played. We read Benny's tweets and paid attention to what he was doing, like working with his sons and stuff like that. But um, it's we're definitely more plugged into it now than we were were then. Six months ago, yeah. Yeah, certainly. We've said we've said as a staff before. I think there's a quote. It's people people tend to be afraid of what they don't understand. You know, I mean, that's ourselves. So explains why I'm so afraid all the time. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's true, but. But I mean, it, we we challenge ourselves as we challenge our players, we challenge our coaches. Just because you don't understand something, or you don't know how something works, or you're not good at something, like like your natural tendency is to not want to do it or be afraid of it. Where you know, with us, we, we you know we almost look at it as like, let's try it, let's do it, let's let's go for it, and um, you know, because of that. Um. I think a lot of our fans were introduced to you uh, by reading the Baseball America article that came out, uh, I think, in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, in there, you kind of go through where, I guess, at UNC in 2015, 2016, um, they missed the NCAA tournament, um, looking for anything new, um, any any open suggestions. And, and you, you guys started doing the, the database shifts, like full, full bore. And in that article, it said, um, basically over the course of a season, doing the database shift saved approximately 40 runs over a course of a season. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot of runs. That's 40 homers if you're in comparison. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know there's a lot of other factors that went in uh, to the the big jump from, um, I think you had, you had 34 wins in 2016 and 49 wins in 2017 um, back in the NCAA tournament and then following year in College World Series. But um, I know there's a lot of factors that came into play in that improvement. But um, – the article said the database shifting was a, a, a large factor in that. Can you uh, expound on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, what we what we found over the years is that, um, I mean, basically a hitter is going to hit a ball where he's going to hit a ball, mm-hmm. whether anybody's standing on the field or not. So um, when you look at it that way, like when you position your fielders in such a way where typic- typically in traditional places – if your fielders are in traditional places, equal spread, you know, the way the game's been played for a hundred years. Um, what we found is like, you know, the, the volume at which balls are put in play in certain areas aren't really covered. So if you shift to start covering these areas and then you start to take away a hit, well, a hit or every time a, a, a player reaches first base is valued according to the numbers that. Um, we've looked at at 0.7. So like every time a guy hits a single, it's 0.7 runs, um, essentially. And so every time that you eliminate a hit with a shift, because most most shifts you eliminate singles. I mean, there'll be a, there'll be some doubles, and you'll get some double plays out of it and that sort of thing. But every single that you eliminate, you're basically shaving 0.7 runs off the board because that hitter would be at first base. Well, now your shortstop was in the six hole, and now that now that that hit in the six hole. You know that that hitter is out, so you essentially took point seven runs off the board. So, and you're going to give them up too. Like that's what I mm-hmm. think it's important for the fan base to understand is that and is that we're we're you know there's a phrase they beat the shift right, but right. like for a hundred years that's when everybody notices it right right yeah, yeah. You, you beat the shift but 
for a hundred years, when a guy hit the ball up the middle, it was bad luck. And so, you know, there was no phrase like, oh, they beat the infield or, oh, they, <laughs> it's just, they, they got a hit yeah. and uh, it's bad luck. We weren't there. Seeing eye single. Right? Seeing eye ground. Yeah. yeah seeing eye ground ball. Sure. So, you know, it, it's, the shift is certainly going to get beat and we're not going to be right all the time. Um, but what you really hope for is that, you know, if you take away three hits in a game that would be hits and you, the shift gets beat where like if you played traditional style of play and, you know, you, we, we that they would have been outs um, that hopefully that only happens twice or less. Because over the course of the season, if you play 55 games and you're taking away one extra hit a game, just multiply 55 times 0.7, do the math. That is, you know, basically you're taking away that many runs off of the board over the course of the season. Because again, the hitter's going to hit the, the hitter's not hitting the ball based off where the infield's playing. The hitter is hitting the ball based off trying to beat the pitcher. So he's hitting it where he can. He's hitting it where he can. Or, yeah, exactly. And so. Um, you know, just by, you know, the same, you know, over 55 games, you're going to have the same exact ground balls put in play by having your infielders in certain areas. Your, you know, your goal is to just take away one extra hit a game over the course of the season and, you know, or, you know, or less, right? Like some games we, we're going to break even some games. I think the Houston Astros goal was to be, was to take away like half, half, half a hit a game, like break even half the games and half the games take away a hit. So, you know, over the course of 162 games, that's going to be 81 hits, 81 times 0.7. That's that's the goal of the Astros over the course of the season. So, at least that used to be the case. I don't know where they're at now, but um, <laughs> whole another conversation. That's a whole another conversation. Yeah, but you know, so that's that's the the style we want to play. I guess you could say is is that we want to. Um, we want to try to play the numbers to the you know again we're we might be a little bit off we might be a little bit wrong we might get beat but to based off of all of the information that we have pre pitch let's try to put our guys in the best possible situation to be successful and I think you said uh, so we're talking about forty run difference for for you know that roughly, first year was forty runs roughly yeah. well, there was a stat you said the other day uh every, how many runs equates to a to a win about ten runs about ten runs so we're talking about four forty runs four uh, four wins yeah I mean even I can do that math right <laughs> yeah I mean and that's just purely like so if you're you know if you're thirty and twenty five playing traditional defense and you play the exact same game the exact same opponents they hit the ball the exact same way. And you just put your defense in a place to take away forty runs. You're now going to be thirty. You know, theoretically, you're going to be thirty-four and twenty-one. Well, and I mean, Conference USA is such a great baseball league, and we play a tough schedule anyway. I mean, that that four that four wins that's that's at large consideration mm-hmm. is what that is. Yeah, it really they it really adds up for sure. And in the Baseball America article, you guys were kind of on the the front end of, of all this, the data-driven um, uh, baseball. You spent your last six years in the ACC. Can you guys speak a little bit of the evolution of the game as far as in the ACC, what you've seen as far as the data-driven um, baseball? Gosh, it is – I mean, it is not slowing down. I mean, there are some incredible coaches out there, and players can really, really consume information more than I think most people can – can you know comprehend um so yeah i mean you've got 
I mean, everybody everybody knows. I mean, people, coaches, and teams know more about each other now than they ever have in baseball, and so. It is, I mean, whether it's Synergy, which is the, the video system that we have here. I mean, it, I mean, I, almost every team in our league has it versus, you know, different different types of data collecting groups now that are, you know, people are subscribing to. I mean, there's so much information that, um, again, I don't even know. I mean, it's, it's, it's just not slowing down. And um, so it's, I don't know if it's just the ACC, but I think it's just college baseball in general. Um, but at the same time, like it's when you study it and you live it and you kind of breathe it every day in terms of, you know, trying to push towards the best way you can possibly be like it, it does kind of start to stick out, right? Like I know like, like our coaching staff, B-Rob, Toby, Coach Simmons, Stott and I, we like, we know where our hitters hit the ball. So like when we play a team that doesn't position fielders a certain way, we're, it gives us a little bit of an insight that, Okay, that team might either doesn't have certain information on our players, or they have the information and they're not using it. And or, you've probably seen that go both ways. And I've seen it go both ways, right? And I've seen it. I've seen it evolve where, you know, t- you know, you play in play in the ACC for six years, right? Like in 2017, we, I mean, we started the season against Kentucky and we were shifting them right out of the gate because we had information. Well. You, you know, and and same and same thing against all the teams we played, and and then well, well and all their games are you know for the most part televised, their home games at least are televised, and, and yeah, you, you can just get yeah. Where we were playing, in, we, were, we were playing NC State, and and they were playing an equal spread defense, you know, more traditional style. And we rolled in there um, to the to the Doke the next year, and there it felt like an inter squad scrimmage with how much they were shifting our own hitters. So they they adapted and they caught up and they started using information, and it's just. You know, so that's what that's what teams do. Um, you know, now that you know the tricky part is is, you know, some some teams we play they'll they'll start out shifting on Friday and then they'll get beat once or twice and then they'll start to resort back to normal and then by Sunday it'll be traditional again. I mean, I've seen that before. They're not quite bought in. Yeah, it's it's it it's it's interesting, really. Um, some teams will start out not really shifting and then they'll see us shift and then by this Sunday you'll see a team that's. You know, shifting our hitters, you know, like like we would ourselves. I mean, I've, I've seen all you know all types of things. So, um, but it's not slowing. It's not sh- slowing down. I mean, people are people are always looking for you know information, and I I try to talk about it pretty freely because the more I find that I talk about it, the more I learn about it. And people have helped me kind of get to this point, and you know, understanding it. So I'm just. I'm happy to talk about it because you know if you're listening to this podcast, that means you care about our program. It means you care about wanting to learn the game. So I'm happy to try to talk about it as much as possible. Do you consider yourself a, a, a change agent? What do you mean? I mean, well, certain people just have a knack for for finding something and and using it well. And then they can not only use it well, but when other people like like you talk about when the other teams start seeing, man, they just beat us, and I think I know how they did it. And then pretty soon you start to see other, like in your experience in the ACC, other schools started they were mimicking you, and maybe we're in to see something similar happen in Conference USA. Maybe yeah, I mean I, this will be my first time through the league, so I really don't know. I really don't know, you know, what to expect in terms of. Um, you know, styles of play or, 
philosophy or anything like that. I mean, we've we've already started looking at VCU, obviously, in Tennessee, but um, really haven't gotten much past in terms of you know conference play and what the what their style is. You know, I'll I'll, I'll know more about them once we kind of get closer to those games. But do you feel? I mean, maybe it's not something you've ever thought about, but but you're just you're ahead of the curve on this stuff, and and you're you're not only you're not only performing for your own self, but you're really teaching. Like you talk about, it, you're happy to talk about. It. You're you're teaching a lot of people a different way of looking at the game. Well, I mean, I got you're not the only one, but I felt I you know I feel like I look back at my time at Virginia Tech, and I feel like I feel like I was behind. On some things, and this being kind of one of them, I felt like you know once I once I was leaving Virginia Tech and getting to UNC, um, I, I I didn't want to get beat at UNC the way I got beat at Virginia Tech, and so I kind of that's that was kind of to put it in the simplest way. So I started to really become passionate about trying to educate myself in certain areas that most pitching coaches probably weren't right, like. There was a time when I was earlier coach where the pitching coaches would call pitches and they would coach deliveries and they would, you know, anything involving pitching. But as soon as the ball left the pitcher's hand, it was like, all right, now the position coach is responsible for the in, for the infield. And not my problem anymore. Right. And and so it just that became that format of it became not good enough, I guess, like or unacceptable. And that's why like our coaching staff, like everybody's got to say. Like everybody has a voice. I don't care, you know. I don't care if 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 B Rob sees something about one of our pitchers that that can improve or get better. Like by all means, like tell me, tell him. Like open flow of of you know what you're seeing because it just I think it's really important, you know. And I think I mean B Rob beat more pitchers, you know, <laughs> than anybody in our dugout. So. If he's if he sees something about a pitcher that can either one our opponent that you know can help us beat him or one of our pitchers that you know is gonna get beat um, because if he doesn't stop doing something like I'd be foolish for it to say like hey just coach the hitters which you'd be shocked I mean there's there's coaches and their staffs out there that they have they have that type of communication and and you know it's for me when i got to unc i just said you know what like i'm going to try to sink my teeth into all the things i don't know about as much as i can because you know it was my alma mater and you know if it was if it meant us getting not getting beat on ground balls then you know i was going to try to learn it and i didn't care if it was you know i was a pitching coach or not <laughs> really mm-hmm. so i just started studying it and started trying to and Sink my teeth into things I didn't know. I love the way things like that tend to work. It's like uh, innovations come along and they make so much sense after you understand it, you know. But for so long, it's these traditional roles and traditional methods, and then someone introduces you to something. You go, "Well, why didn't I? Why didn't I think of that?" Right? Or why? Why wasn't that obvious? But it takes an innovator. It takes it takes some some forward thinking people to to make something like that happen. It takes it takes some risk too, you know? Yeah. Like it like it 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 takes some risk, it takes some guts and takes some courage, right? Like it takes some courage when you've got um you know, some you've got Seth Beer up. And it takes some courage just to tell, hey, your short your shortstop's going to go play on the right side of second and your third baseman's going to go play, you know, short traditional shortstop and you're just going to give him the whole left side of the field. 
it takes, I mean, that takes some courage, especially when it's never been done, when it hasn't really been done, not that it hasn't been done before, but you haven't done it before. Right. And, you know, he squares around a bunt and then he fouls it off. And it's like, all right, should we pull our our third baseman in to, because he's going to do it again? Like, no, leave him there. Like, and sure enough, he tries to get do it again and fouls it off, um, you know. But and then if he's successful, you can say, well, Seth Beer didn't just hit a bomb off of us. Instead, he just <laughs> butted in a single, which mm-hmm. you know he he's hit fifty home runs in his career. So a bunt single is not going to kill us. Right, right. So I'm I'm good at rationalizing things, I guess. But yeah, I mean it it just it just and that's not just baseball, like right? Like it takes it takes risk and guts and courage to to go outside to go against the grain to to trust your instincts, even you know when when everybody says you know, it's, it's unorthodox or, you know, that's not the way we used to do things. I mean, that's like, you know, our program now, our coaching staff, like that's one of our least favorite things. Like, you know, just because something's always been done that way, like that's not good enough for us. And, um, or people, other people don't do that, you know, like, like summer ball, like we're, like, we're probably going to send like 12 to 14 of our pitchers returning and incoming recruits up to St. Louis to train with the guys at P3 and we're probably going to be one of the only programs in the country that sends more than two pitchers to train somewhere. We're going to send our whole pitching staff because we want our guys coming back next August fresh and stronger and better as, as opposed to, you know, burned out and tired and weaker. Um, you know, but the fact that the fact that nothing like other college programs aren't doing that, like that makes our coaching staff want to do it more. Right. It's a perfect, perfect segue. Nice. <laughs> I was going to talk about the P3 uh, and the player development and uh, a lot of technology that we've been using this fall or since you came to campus. Um, we're sitting here in the Joe Lopez suite here, legacy suite. Uh, give us a little uh, background on the uh, the P3 uh, program. Well, when I was at UNC, I was recruiting a lot of junior college pitchers from the Midwest and so from 2017 to 2019, I was coming across these really talented junior college pitchers up in the Midwest, and I would get to know them and have conversations with them, and this and that. And I would, you know, I'd always ask them like, "Where do you train? Where and that's where do you and that sort of thing." And I couldn't. I was blown away with how many pitchers were t- would tell me that they trained at P3. I'm like, I I was like, "Where is this place?" And they're like, "It's in St. Louis. It's like Driveline." In Seattle, which I'm, I'm friends with Kyle and the Driveline guys in Seattle, and they've they've been, you know, tremendous to to me for the last I don't know five six years, you know, in terms of helping me tra- try to train pitchers, and they're good friends. I'm like, but I'm like, all right, so this it's this Driveline of the Midwest in St. Louis. Okay, like I need to check this out at some point. So I followed them on Twitter, and everything they were putting on Twitter and social media was in my opinion, at the forefront of training pitchers and development and that sort of thing. I'm like, wow, these guys are doing unbelievable things. Um, I'm, you know, I'm glad that all these recruits have gotten me on them. And it's just, you know, so that's kind of where it started. And then when I got the phone call to come here, you know, I was, I got word that um, one of our, the biggest supporters of our program and former players is Joe Lopez. And so I called Joe and I, um, well, to backtrack a little bit, I was told that I was told, hey, you know, Joe's one of the biggest supporters of the program, awesome guy, this and that, da-da-da. Oh, by the way, he, he you know, owns, runs a, a baseball facility in St. Louis. And I was like, baseball facility in St. Louis? I was like, 
no way it's P3. So I called him. And so I call him. We start talking. We start getting to know each other, this and that. And sure enough, um, his facility is P3. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I've been following this stuff for three years now. Is that like a lightning bolt moment? Where is this like, you got to be kidding me. Yep. Yeah. Instantly, I was like, well, I'm going to book a flight and go to St. Louis because um, there's just too, there were too many dots being connected. And so, and oh, by the way, Joe is, you know, B-Rob's college roommate. (laughs) And oh, by the way, you know, like. The offices we're sitting in now are the Lopez fam- legacy, you know, family legacy suite. So it's like checks a lot of boxes. Checks too many boxes to like. If you're not like if if you're not paying attention to that, you don't have a pulse. <laughs> so like it was, you know, they, it was a no brainer. So myself, B Rob, um, Tyler Simmons, literally the day Toby drove in from Texas to campus for the first time. Like, what's up, Toby? Good to see you. We're flying to St. Louis. Um, don't sit your bags down. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like see you, <laughs> see you in a few days. Um, we got on a plane, we flew up to St. Louis and we met with the guys for, for, you know, with P3 for two days. And, um, I mean, I just ran the gambit of, of asking questions and picking their brains and just talking shop and seeing their facility and the layout and the things that they valued in training, whether, you know, in their, in their facility and like their, their, strength program and their all that stuff and for two days and um you know it, we ended up going to a cardinals game and getting to see mike shield i mean it was an unbelievable trip i mean and really um getting to see coach shield and you know coach you know former 49er assistant coach and and mentor of mine and b robs you know get to coach a, a big league game against the astros um you know, in uh, Bush Stadium was pretty was pretty neat. And then you know, at the end of the trip, they told us that they wanted to start partnering with colleges. I was like, all right, well, where do we sign? <laughs> and so they're like, well, you know, we only want like three. I was like, perfect. Like, we'll we'll you we're know, only one. We'll, yeah, like we'll we'll be one of three. <laughs> whatever whatever it takes. And you know, they told us kind of the specs of what that what that took. And then we, um, you know, with the help and support of our administration, they were on board with it. Um, they enabled us to to partner with them. And, and I, I, I can't stress that part of it enough right. because there's a lot of schools and programs out there. There's a lot, there's a lot of administrators that would have said, no, we're not, we're not going to fund, you know, somebody else to come in and coach your guys, which is essentially what these guys at P3 do is they come in every six to eight weeks. They assess all of our pitchers and catchers, Head to toe, medically, um, establish all of their strengths and weaknesses, um, ri- areas of risks. You know, potential. You know, like just little things. Like you know, they measure if they measure our catcher's wrists. You know, um, in the way it rotates and moves, and we're trying to get him to catch a low pitch, but his wrist isn't physically capable of getting that low pitch. We're banging our heads against a wall. Like it sounds so simple, but. Unless until you understand, you know how your player's bodies moves, you, you you're you need to be careful asking them to do things that they might not be capable of doing. So um, we tried to so we assessed all of our guys in August, um, first day on campus, and then they, they have this really great setup in our indoor facility. After our players get assessed, where you know we have high speed cameras and we have you know Rapsodo, which we already have in our program, um, you know just measuring just 
capturing video of the ball coming off the grip and capturing the data of the spin and our pitcher's movement and what, you know, what their pitches do and how they can, we can try to improve them. And then from that mound, they move over to a 3d motion capture. Um, basically they, um, and it's markerless. So our guys throw, you know, eight to 10 pitches without having to put the markers all over their body. Like you see some on, on social media mm-hmm. and it turns them into like a 3d image mm-hmm. and then they can start to look at the biomechanics of our guys' deliveries and, um, it's a really neat process that, you know, that takes a full day. And then the second day they come in, it's, it's all, um, implementing the strength and the conditioning side of it and the mobility routines for our guys to improve whatever it is. So, um, they program based off of the assessments and based off of our players needs, um, and working with coach Patrick, our strength coach, who's phenomenal. And Brianna Richards, our athletic trainer, who's also phenomenal. Like it, it kind of becomes this like synergistic, like a uh, program to where our pitchers, I mean, like today, Ryan Chanskowski and Bryce McGowan were both the starting pitchers of our scrimmage. Well, they're going to go in the weight room tomorrow and they're going to have two completely different lift routines because their bodies and their frames and are, 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 are different and they have completely different needs, you know? Um, and so without getting too much more into it, you know, it just, it, it's one of those things. It's like, if you really think about it, it kind of, it makes sense. But, um, it, it's, it's a little complicated and it takes some time and it takes attention to detail to do, but it's something we found that can really help guys. And we've seen, we've seen, there's no question that we've seen, you know, the benefits of, I'm just so thankful that we were able to do it right out of the gate in August, because it's the type of thing that you, they can't just fly in here in January and make us better for February. Right. Like, it's the kind of thing that like, it, it is it is repetitive. It is monotonous. Our guys have been training this way. Um, you know, this very, they call it hyper individualized training since August. And so, you know, it's, it's a big picture move and we're just really fortunate that, um, you know, Josh Kiesel and Austin mining and Steph, the three guys, they're the three, you know, guys have come down. They've already come down, twice once in august once in october and they're coming actually coming out next weekend so you know if the fans come out to our scrimmages next week and they see these dudes with like really awesome <laughs> beards that aren't you guys then uh it's the guys from p3 yeah we, we saw the halloween uh costumes <laughs> yeah yeah i mean so they've they, they've been a huge resource for us and we will we will be connected with them moving forward and they've spread i mean they've i mean words getting out as we we knew it would, and I told him in August, I was like, "Well, if you partner with us and two other schools, like you better start hiring some guys, and you're going to need more manpower um, because they've already they've already I think they've increased up to ten or twelve schools, and they'll be at fifty schools within the next year or two in terms of their college partnership. But our goal is that by then we'll already be two years out ahead of that one. I mean, in, in, at at three at three college programs, you're talking about essentially the top one percent or so of of college baseball and Heck, even at fifty, you're still you're still uh, in a very elite company as mm-hmm. far as who all is doing this. Mm-hmm. It's come a long way from hey, you guys go run the warning track. Yeah, no, I mean it's. <laughs> well, My last I, coach was always telling me that you know McIntyre just go run. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's. I wish I wish I knew now and right. I heard my coaches say it then. Like my coaches when I was younger, they always said, "I wish I knew now what I knew then." And now right. I'm coaching and I'm saying the same thing. I mean, it's just you know, it, there's. There's ways to improve and get better than just pitchers going out and running for extended periods of time, believe it or not. 
Well, we're and and by the way, I just this is probably I think this is already maybe the long I think we're already at our record for longest episode of this ever and because it could go on for several more hours by the way because I, love, this is, I love talking well you've already been it. here for like nine hours so <laughs> it, it, it seems a little little unfair um but we want to give you a chance to we're going to close out and, and and give you a chance to offer some some thoughts on the upcoming season but um we would uh i think we would be remiss if we did not talk about for a few minutes something uh something really cool that happened last week uh, being the the Grand Slam Club first pitch dinner, uh, it was the the first inaugural, and uh, we had a blast, Kevin. I mean, I I had a blast. I did too. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're our only sponsor, right? Well, yeah, we, I, I didn't know if you knew that, Coach, but a longtime sponsor of this podcast is the Grand Slam Club. Nice. Um, yeah, we didn't actually ask to to get to do that. We just kind of just started doing. We started doing Grand Slam Club reads on there, and you just, got it memorized. No, but I'll say this. How about this? Here's my here's my best pitch for Grand Slam Club. Uh, you know, we we're always you people are always asking us where you get this cool gear, right? And, yeah. and the answer is always Grand Slam Club. But we just sit here. We're sitting here talking about all this technology and all these partnerships and all this this administrative support that we're getting for this program, and all of it adds up to try to win, right? right. But what are we going to need to make that stuff happen? Resources, right? Yeah. So. Here's my best pitch for the Grand Slam Club. Want to win baseball games? Join the Grand Slam Club. Does that work? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it immediately impacts our players in this program, which we talked about last week at the dinner, is this program with our coaching staff, it will always be about the players. It'll be about their players' development. It'll be about the players' experience, their opportunities. And so, yeah, I mean, the more, whether that's coming from contributions from the athletic department or private donors and the, through the Grand Slam Club, whatever it may be, the, the I mean, it there's really no limit to you know how much you can help these guys. I mean, a twenty dollar a twenty dollar donation that helps us, you know, and anything above. I mean, the, we will find ways to maximize any contribution of any level that is given to this program, you know, whether, whether, you know, whether that's just hosting a, you know, that's just a team meal on Sunday morning before we're trying to go for a sweep, you know, I mean, that's, that's going to cost $550, $600, you know, versus, you know, our guys being on their own for breakfast, you know, getting, getting the team in here at eight fifteen before a noon first pitch, letting them have a, you know, a, a really first class meal and, and experience here. I mean, whatever it may be. I mean, there's, there's no, there's no limit to, you know, what supporting this program can mean for our players. And, you know, that's why, I mean, I'll sit, I'll sit here until as long as you guys want talking about ways to, you know, to improve it because we can do it here. And there's a lot of support here. You saw it last week and, um, 200, were, 250 yeah, people. We had about 240, 250 people in the room. Insane. It was, it was and, amazing. And that just showed, and there's people that there's, there's people that weren't able to be there. You know what I mean? Like there, there, there's opportunity for that event and we've already met on it to, to grow. I mean, our goal next year is to get 400 people in the room and, um, to, to do everything at another level. I mean, I mean, I guess it's, it's kind of a reoccurring theme. There's no facet of our program that we want to be complacent with. We want every everything to improve and everything to grow. And we feel like we, you know, we can, we just, we need help. And so if there's, you know, if you're listening, if you're listening to this, or if you know someone that is passionate about, 
you know, Charlotte baseball and the 49er program, then, you know, by all means, you know, please, you know, please contribute to, to this group of guys and to our future guys because they deserve it. And, um, you know, it, it is, you know, it's a real, it's really a, sp- a special, a special place. And, and, you know, it can, the thought that, you know, it can even get better is, is pretty crazy. And you, I mean, you guys, I mean, you, you talked about the, the risk taking involved with doing something different on the baseball field. I mean, you guys kind of did a little something similar there with, with just hosting that dinner. I mean, that was something um, we certainly have, have, you know, we're not the only uh, program in the country by a long shot that does like a preseason kind of get together dinner. We had, had been wanting to have one of those and, mm-hmm. and, you guys just kind of came in and took the bull by the horns and said, we're doing it, right? Yeah. You have to, as a college baseball coach, you, you have to wear a lot of different hats. And um, I had never worn the banquet planner hat before. So that was, <laughs> you know, it was new. And, and But, you know, kind of get like to get what we've, the theme of what we've been talking about. Like we want to take on things that we're uncomfortable doing. And, you know, whether that means, you know, staying in the office a little bit later or getting a little bit earlier to to you know to make phone calls to former players and alumni and um, get pe- get get as many people in the room as possible that that need to be there because um, you know we, we're just gonna do it and um, because our guys des- our guys deserve it this program deserves it the former players those guys deserve it and our future players coming in I mean we our goal next year is to have 400 people in the room and you know the 2020 recruiting class that's not even here on campus yet i mean those guys deserve to be in, you know to have that experience and so we just want to try to continue to push it and and, and get it to a you know whatever whatever our ceiling is we want to try to get there and um so yeah it's just that's that's going to be our mentality and like i said as a baseball coach you just have to embrace you know wearing a multiple of multiple hats and i would say that you know i actually joked with coach healy before the before the banquet we were joking about i asked him i said how much i said what percentage of football do you actually coach and he goes man right now it feels like zero and (laughs) we we just joked we just laughed because i mean i i think i think as a as as an assistant coach i probably felt like coaching baseball was probably about 30 to 40 percent of my job and recruiting was probably 50 percent of my job you know as a head coach and slash pitching coach or whatever you want to call it I feel like it's gone down a little bit you know it doesn't I'm not any less passionate about it or or you know certainly I mean baseball is is that's why you're doing it it's just and if, if anything it's made getting on the field that much better because mm-hmm. I would certainly rather be on the field with our guys or in the dugout with our guys than you know, looking at a banquet seating chart, but I know what that banquet seating chart means. That's not why you got into the business. No, it's not. But (laughs) I know what that banquet seating chart means in terms of the, you know, the, the, the impact of our players experience. And, you know, the, I mean, some, I mean, some people in that room, some people in that room hadn't been on campus in a year. Some people hadn't been on campus in five years. Some people hadn't been on campus in 10 plus years. So, you know, those are the things that I think we as coaches here have to keep at the forefront is, you know, whatever we can do to, to impact this program, you know, to the best, you know, the best of our ability, we're going to do it again. Like I said, whether that's, you know, staying here early or getting here early, staying here late, whatever it takes, like we're, we're going to do it. And there's a, there's a master plan coming out sometime soon. 
with uh, all the facilities here on campus, and uh, a lot of fans are really excited about that. Um, we can save getting into the details for another date, but um, yeah, there's lots of trans- transformation coming on and on campus here soon. Yeah, yeah just the, the the bits that I've seen. I mean, golly, if you're if you're not excited to be a 49er fan right now, I don't I don't know when when you will be. I mean, it is the, what is what is coming down the pike sooner rather than later in so many different facets with this university and this athletic department. It is it's exciting. And um I felt it when I came here this past summer, but it has only grown since then and um, I'm just I'm I'm exci- I'm excited I'm I'm honored to be here and, and just be a small part of it and um, you know anything that I know I speak for our whole coaching staff anything that we can do to help you know this this university and this athletic athletic department just get to the highest level we're we're going to do it. Well, coach, um, we. You've, you've been so generous with us uh, with your time, and we've covered a wide range of subjects. Uh, we're going to let you close out on probably your favorite subject, I, I would think, uh, based on what – it's not party planning, based on what you just nice. said. Nice, good. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not going to talk about your, <laughs> your theories on that. Um, let, let's, let's just close out. We're here uh, – I guess we're 13 days uh, – as we're recording this, we're 13 days away from first pitch. Um, you, you've had and you, you've, you've made reference to these guys. They've, they, they came here, they've stayed here, and, and they've worked with you and this staff uh, throughout the fall, throughout the spring. And you're getting, you guys are getting ready to, you guys are getting ready to go to war, so to speak. You know, together as a team for the first time here in a couple of weeks. Uh, for, the, for the fans, uh, what do you, what do you want to tell them about your team? I mean, just that, just that they've worked incredibly hard. I mean, I've they've worked as hard as any team. I've been coaching for not Division One baseball for nine years. They have worked as hard as any team I have ever coached, and that is saying something because I've been I've been around some special teams, and but they they have worked incredibly hard to get to this point, and um, you know I think we've got we've got eight seniors and we've got you know some guys that have been here in the program and they've. They've seen, you know, experienced a lot of different things, and those seen the seniors on our roster, man, they, they they deserve something special. They deserve something special, and um, you know, I'm just excited for them to to have the opportunity here um, this season to to go out and do that and to be here and be a part of it because you know this group, it's just there's there's such. They're such an awesome group. They're they're a blast to be around every single day. Our coach, our coaching staff, looks forward to walking down that hill and and going on the field every single day. So, um, you know, it's really got to start with our seniors, um, and, and just it just trickles down from there. I thought it was great at the banquet when you you talked about the gold standard locker. Can you uh, talk about that again for us, real quick, for the fans? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I um, I had seen it in, in a football program along the way where. I can't remember which which football locker room it was, but um, I walked into a locker room um, somewhere and I didn't see name tags. I saw like locker label tags, and in the lock and in the locker, each player had it was almost like a status. It was it was or a level, and it was kind of it just. When I asked about it, they said, "Yeah, these are we just we just put a label in our lock, our players' lockers, letting them know kind of where they stand in the program with the coaching staff." So it really kind of cuts out any gray area with where you know you're 
interpreted to be, you know, as a player, you always want to know where you stand, you know, like you always want to be, you know, have, have you shot straight. Like if, and so, um, we just, I just felt that it would be something neat to do. And, and I haven't done it in any baseball program that we've, I've been a part of, but I like I liked the idea. So we started it, um, in August when the guys got here, every single player started at the committed level. So, um, for us, um, committed is, is where it all starts. If, if we don't have a locker room that's committed, we, we got no shot. So, um, you know, every player started at the committed level. Um, and then from there you can really only work your way up. Um, there's only one level below committed, which is complacent, which, I mean, we coach 18 to 22-year-old guys, you know, like it's – they're human right. and they're learning. So there's good, there's been a few stretches where we've had a couple of guys on complacent, and, you know, we mm. we have that definition in the locker room of what that means. Um, but, you know, they haven't stayed there for very long. Um, you know, they, they understood what, what needed to be adjusted or and they got back to committed or even gone above. So – um, complacence, the lowest level, and then committed is where it starts because you got to have it. If you don't have a committed locker room, you got no shot. Like I said, um, from there you can move up to competitive, and that means that you're, you know, again, all these have definitions in, in the locker room. Um, it's about a paragraph long for each thing, so they they know when they get a new level, new level that they can go read, you know, what that means. So competitive is right above committed, and that's basically you're showing our coaching staff that you're at a different level, that you're bringing it at another level, um, you know, to where you're. You know, you're you're competing at a at on a day to day basis, and it's not just on the baseball side. It's in the weight room, it's in the classroom, it's in the dugout, it's it's off the field, it's everywhere. So, um, you know, after competitive, you can you, you can move up to compelled. Compelled's our next to highest level, um, and again, it's defined in in the locker room and that sort of thing. But um, it's really tough to get to that level. Like compelled, there's I'd say right now. You know, we have we've we have six players, I believe, at the compelled level, and it's tough to get there. It's tough to stay there. Um, you know, we've got some, but we do have some guys that are that are that are competitive, that are close to getting there. Um, you know, and the and our compelled guys are, you know, they're working to stay there. And um, and then to to your point, um, the highest level of our program is gold standard, and that's been instituted by Mike Hill in terms of just kind of a athletic department philosophy. And we felt, we felt that we wanted to really define gold standard and what that meant. So um, basically you're doing things at a level at which, you know, people aren't only going to remember, but they're going to talk about for a long time. And when you, and obviously in a positive light, and that's a tough level to get to, right? Like, I mean, people, people, people remember if you have a good year, um, and that sort of thing. But what they'll talk about is, you know, how you went about your business and how you did things and how you impacted other people and made those people better. And not only your teammates, but just the university and everything. So, you know, without really going into the definition, that's sort of what gold standard encompasses. And so at our opening team meeting in January, um, we named Todd Elwood, um, one of our senior outfielders as our first, our program's first gold standard player. Um, you know, and it's got to be unanimous by our coaching staff. It's got to, it, if there's, if there's any hesitation or there's a no vote, then it takes everybody. So um, he was voted, you know, unanimously by our coaching staff to be our first gold standard player. And then um, a couple of weeks later, last week, we had our banquet and um, Ryan Chanskowski, one of our senior right-handed pitchers was, was elevated to that level. And, 
So we have two in our program now and, um, and there will be others, you know, there will be, other, we, we, we know there will be others. We see flashes of it. Um, we, we, and we're, I'm excited for, for those, but the neat thing is that, you know, what our plans, what our plans are for that is to, um, whenever, a, if a player leaves our program at the gold standard level, then his name's going to be in our locker room for all time. And what we're thinking is, is that, you know, we will have some, um, so like Todd Elwood, for example, Todd's number 17. So the number 17 locker is going to have a Todd Elwood plate, you know, imprinted, you know, as long as 49er baseball is here and has a locker room. So the future number 17 players are going to, number 17 players are going to understand that, you know, there was there was one that came before them that did things at a level that people still talk about. Right. And you could be there. What's that? And you could be there. Yeah, you? and you can be there. Absolutely. I'm get. I mean, that gives me chills thinking about that. You know, I mean, that's that's. I mean, that's long lasting legacy. Yeah, thing, I think it was know? great at at the, at the banquet. It was great, and we got to get that video up on on social media somewhere. With that, uh, I know Sydney he does a great job, but that was that was a very special moment that when he played that video with the reading the inscription on the the gold standard logger. Yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know if I've been around any any student managers like Sidney Pike and his the talents and his ability that he has to to put together some videos for us, and we'll we'll get we'll make sure we get that out here soon and um, and let the fan base see it. Yeah, that was great. It makes me glad that I don't have a locker because I'm afraid of what what, what label. level. What <laughs> yeah. level <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to know. It's all in the name of getting better. (laughs) You know, I mean, I can. There's, there's, there's times in my life where I I deserve to have complacent in my locker. You know what I mean? So it's, that's not what it's about. It's not a. It's not about being judgmental or, or hypocritical. You know, I'll I'll tell. I'll. I'd tell our guys right now that. You know what I mean? So it's, it's about understanding where you can improve and get better and what and and trying to do so. Those are life lessons. Yeah. That's great. So we got VCU coming in here, <laughs> opening weekend, right? Uh, two weeks. Th- yeah, two weeks away, and uh, it's pretty good. Pretty good test right off the bat. They really, uh, good, really good team. Yeah, they they win a ten last year. I believe so. Yeah. Um, yep. Coming in here, and um, so we're gonna we get to stop talking theories, and we get to talk. We get to call it nuts nuts and bolts. It's actual baseball. Yep. Right. Yeah. No, they're a really talented team. They return pretty much every hitter in their lineup except for one. Um, they've lost two two arms out of their weekend rotation, and I think they're closer. But I mean, uh, Sean Stifler, the head coach there, he's he everybody in everybody in coaching knows how great of a coach he is. So they're just they're going to roll in. You know, all their new players are going to be really good. It's going to be a really really strong test for us right out of the gate for sure. Well, I think we're gonna we're gonna cut it off here, Coach. Like I said, this could go six hours, and and I, you know what? The scary part is, is I think you'd actually hang in with us. I love I, I, lo- I love talking baseball, man. This I, has will, been, I will do it. I will do it any any time and all the time. No, this so, has so been phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, we can't thank you enough for, for thanks for having me, having us do this here. Um, for uh, and of course, we're we're preaching to the choir here, you guys. But uh, you can always get tickets seven zero four six eight seven four nine four nine or shop at forty ers dot com. You get up with John George and his staff; they will sell you tickets. So we want to see folks out there uh, early and often coming up this weekend. Yeah, pack the haze. Sorry, two bring, weekends away. Pack bring, the haze. Pack the haze. Bring your friends. It's gonna be it's gonna be electric. All right, guys, we're gonna wrap this up. So uh, appreciate Coach Woodard spending some time with us. Uh, For Kevin and producer Brad, this has been Nick, and we will see you guys very soon. 
at the Hayes.